Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. This mission can become a movement of the Holy Spirit, but if we are not careful, what ends up happening is that as we start to work within the power of man instead of the power of the Spirit, as we begin to think that we are the ones that are driving it and not the Spirit of God, that movement can become a monument to man, and then it becomes a museum to what was. No, that's not natural to me. I've heard that before, and I've seen it. And, and we've had time and time again that what starts out as a mission from God and he is going through a movement, we start to take credit. We start to think bigger of ourselves than we ought to. We start to think it depends on us, even though he's using us, that it depends on us. And that, and that movement starts to be us saying, look at what we have. Look at what was instead of what is. And every monument that you and I take a look at is not about what is. Monuments really are for us to talk about what was. And if all that is, it becomes a museum for us. And, and museums have their place for looking at historical things, for looking at how things were. But for the mission of God, it is not about becoming a museum. It is about continuing to be this movement of the Spirit until he says it ends for you and I. And so I have here the centrality of the gospel in the mission, the centrality of the gospel in the mission. And this is the first missionary journey we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, the first missionary journey of Barnabas and Saul. You will see a subtle change in this chapter. And so I'm going to read just some of the verses here, although we will cover because of the narrative, the chapter. You're going to, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to read first just these first um, several verses, and then we'll look through the remainder of the chapter. So if, if you can turn with me to Acts chapter 13, starting at... Um, I'm going to start at verse 3. I know we ended last week on, on, on verse 3, but I'm going to start at verse 3, and then I'm going to read down through verse 12. Can I ask you all to stand for the reading of God's Word? It reads as follows. Then after fasting and praying, they laid, hand, I mean, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being, sent by the, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. 
He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just pray again that your spirit would be at work in us through your words so that we may see Jesus obediently turn and follow and be transformed, Lord, by what you are giving us. In the name of Christ, amen. You may be seated. Something interesting, the reason I read three, I wanted you to see, first point I want us to look at on this is that the mission was initiated by the Holy Spirit. Many times we see men and women at work, but the Holy Spirit is the one who was working through them. We call them, age, I mean, we call ourselves agents. Agents by nature don't come with their own mission. They come with the mission of the organization that sent them or the people um, whom they represent. And so agency here, we see God working through them. Verse 3 says, then after fasting and praying, right, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the church at Antioch. But we know if we read previously in the verses um, that, 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 that the Spirit said to them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for me, because he was ready to send them. And so you said the spirit initiating the people laying hands and the people sending them off. But he's telling you we really know what's happening. Verse 4 says, and Luke was very keen to write this. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. Wait a minute, but I thought the people send them out. Well, they did. But how can the people and the spirit send them out? Because the people were listening to the Spirit. See, you and I, any mission that we're on, if this does not typify us, we run the risk of working and operating out of our flesh. And that's a dangerous thing. When God is on, when God wants something to happen, you and I need to be in a position to be in tune with the Spirit that we're listening to what He is saying and He is doing. That's why you get the description here early on that they were praying while they were fasting and praying the Spirit spoke. Why? Because they were in a position to hear from God. Many of our churches today are so busy being busy, they can't hear from the Lord. And we have to be careful. And so here was a group of people that modeled for us how we're going to go about carrying this mission. 
I decided to today to use my notes on my phone, and I have to work out a better way for it. It'll be better next week. And so the mission was initiated by the Holy Spirit. We are the agents of God, and so here's my deal. Are you constantly putting yourself, and are we putting ourselves in a position to hear from the Spirit of God? The things that we do, the things that we plan, the things that we set up, the things that we go to accomplish, are they man-driven or spirit-driven? One of the ways that I know that they will be man-driven is what happens next is because as they go about the center focus, the central focus is Christ himself and the gospel. Now, they will heal some. They will give. They will help. They will be of service. But you and I have got to know you are not on this mission just to be of service. This is not a social service agency. This is not some sort of Christian club that we leave to go out and to make sure people know that our club is supporting you. This is about being sent by God to our neighbors, representing Christ and keeping the central focus as Christ as we meet other needs. There's nothing wrong with having a trunk or treat. There's nothing wrong with us having a clinic. There's nothing wrong with us having all these different things that we do if we had a pantry or if we had some other form. But if that's all we are, we are selling people short. Because the focus must be to bring people into relationship with Christ and to cause them to grow in that relationship with Christ. Doing it, fellowshipping together under Christ. And so we see what happens. So they begin, and they start off, have the picture up here, and they start off on this journey. Antioch um, is in what's now modern-day Syria, and they start off, and that first missionary journey has a lot of work in what is now known as modern-day Turkey. And so when they set off, it says, being sent off, they went to Seleucia, which is right on the edge, before they hit the water. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Now, Cyprus is important because this is Barnabas' hometown. This is his home country. This is his home city. And they get in there, and, and now they are wanting to to continue to spread what God had given them, right? When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. And so we see the work that spread. Barnabas was already known, and so his reputation with the, did not hinder God's word. Can I just make a moment with that, please? Can we be careful about who we are in this world as we call ourselves representatives of Christ. Because here's what I don't want us to do. I don't want our reputations to become stumbling blocks for the gospel as we're out there. People that love the message 
but the messengers are hindering them. People that love Jesus but can't quite get over some of his representatives. And Barnabas, we know, son of encouragement. We know his actual name was Joseph. But Barnabas, as he's referred to, was known as that encourager. And so when he went home, people weren't running from him. They were listening to him. His reputation did not derail the purpose of God. And so when they get there, they proclaim the word of the Lord. Now, some of you will say, I thought Paul was to go to the Gentiles. He was, but Paul never gave up on his folk. He went over and over, and you'll see it throughout his lifetime, throughout his ministry. Paul always, even though they rejected him, Paul always came back to the Jews because he wanted his people to know Christ. Can I tell you, for some of us, many of our families, you know, sometimes our families will reject the Christ that we proclaim. And boy, we long for them to come. And God may use you in places outside of your family in great measure. It is not so that you can forget your family. It's so that you can be on mission. But I like this here. Paul never gave up. Boy, we are tempted Sometimes when those folk that are from our families, from our communities, when they don't want to hear and do what's right, we are ready to kick them to the curb quickly. And I know this text is speaking about ministry to the Gentiles and the Jews, still some. I know Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. That's what this text, that's what Acts is showing us. But one of those things we learned, man, is 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 whatever people group God has placed you in, he hasn't ripped your heart apart from them when you came to Christ. He has settled your heart in Christ so that you can minister to them however you have opportunity, even when many of them reject Jesus. And so Paul, on this mission that was initiated by Christ, leans in with his folks at was as was customary. But the second point I want to make with this mission, the centrality of the gospel, is what we will see throughout it. And I've said to you before that opposition is either there or is running alongside of the proclaiming of the gospel. You have to expect it. How many times I hear many of us and many believers that get discouraged because of opposition can I tell you, if opposition is coming at you as you are proclaiming Christ, as you are about his mission, you are in good company. What have I done wrong? Nothing. Why are they opposing us? Because it is the Jesus in you that they oppose. Can we realize that when you do ministry, opposition will be present, whatever that ministry is. If it's one-on-one, -on-one, or if it's one on group, or if it's group on group. There was a parent group that I had become a part of when we had first moved to Europe every Wednesday because the kids had a half a day. And, and at that time, I, you know, I was stay-at-home dad, and so I would drop off the kids. And there were a group of 
people that all spoke English well. Some of them English was their first language. Some of them it wasn't. But it was a group of parents, and they had asked me to join them, and they would go for a walk. We would walk different places for that whole morning. Instead of going back home and coming back at noon, three hours later, we would go for these walks. And so I said, let me join them, figure out. I was the only American in the group, and we had Australian, we had German, uh, we had British. I, I, we had a bunch of people in the group. And so we started walking, and in um, one of these years, they actually celebrate the ascension as an actual holiday on the calendar. Ascension is a, is a, is a calendar holiday. Not that they believe it, but they recognize it. And so Ascension was coming off, and the kids would get off from school because of Ascension. Um, and so we started walking, and they knew by that time that I had formerly been a pastor, and they were all shocked that you can do that full time. None of them in the group um, were believers. And so as we began to walk, I started having this one conversation with this one Australian man. And, and he asked me, what is this holiday about anyway? And we began on this walk to have this one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I was able to share the gospel and was sharing, you know, um, uh, this was about the ascension of Jesus into heaven because here's what happened before. And as I was getting into the heart of what was going on, I was praising God for the opportunity. Here comes one of the other parents up, you know, uh, a um, British woman, she walks up, you know, what are you guys talking about? And I was just like, and I knew some of what she had already believed. I was like, Lord, if this woman gets in our business, can you please just get her? And she starts to ask, and so we say, and then she starts to spread her opposition. And under my breath, I'm praying, Lord, get her out of here. I was first annoyed. Why is she here, Lord? Opposition. You think all the times you're going to have to serve the Lord is going to be unbothered by opposition? No. Now, let's begin to pray and pray some more. She kept talking and pray some more. And I just wanted to go like, will you leave? <laughs> and then she ended up kind of being frustrated with our conversation, and she left. And I was able to finish the conversation. It's interesting because it was shortly after that 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 man and his family's assignment in Switzerland was up, and they left and went back to Australia. I have no idea what's happened to him, nor should I, but he got to hear the gospel. But even in the middle of that God-ordained opportunity, opposition came walking right along. Now, I'm going to say to you guys, God is calling you to ministry in whatever form it takes and he is allowing opposition to be there. And he doesn't want you to walk away from the mission. He wants you to lean in and respond. And so here he was ministering to the Jews in the synagogue. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the synagogues of the Jews. And John, John Mark, had, you know, was there to assist them when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician. So here they were ministering throughout the island, and a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus shows up. Now, you know that name Bar, like in Barnabas, son of encouragement. And so he was calling himself son of Jesus. That's what he was calling himself, son of Jesus. And son of Jesus wanted attention. 
And he had gotten it because he had linked and latched on himself with the governor of the region, the proconsul. And because of that, he had some kind of influence. And here's the deal. The false prophet was there before the gospel even got there. And just because you are preaching the truth doesn't mean falsehood is present. And people that talk about false prophets as if it's some new thing, it was there right from the beginning of the church. And here this man was, and it says his intent. Even though he was calling himself a son of Jesus, we see his intent, and we, see, and, and we see the opposition to the mission clear. Here's the opposition. Verse 7, he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So here's what you have. You have a man who heard about, because remember, they had gone through the island. They heard about this duo preaching the word of God. He's been hearing this false prophet in his ear. We don't know how long, but obviously that wasn't enough because I need to hear these guys. You've been yapping over here forever. I want to hear what they have to say. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Can I tell you the goal, I don't care what they call themselves, of any false prophet, any person that does not want to have Jesus as central to what they are proclaiming to people, the false prophet's goal, whether they verbalize it or not, is to get you to get away from the faith. Because that's what he, look, look, he didn't want the pro-council to hear about Jesus. Why not? Aren't you the son of Jesus? Wait a minute, hold on. Just because that guy is preaching something about God, that doesn't mean he can't be false. We see it all the time. Using the name of Jesus to get to their end. And their end ultimately is to get you away from the faith. And here's how you can tell. He said they were proclaiming Christ and he wanted nothing. He said he opposed them. How can you call yourself a son of Jesus and be opposing Jesus? Just had an instance this past week where one of my family members asked me to listen to something in the message that he was shocked by a church that he had been visiting, and man, within the first five minutes, I knew we were in trouble because of where his focus was. And then as he began to go through the word, this man systematically dismissed God's word from the pulpit. Had a conversation with my brother that night, and one of the first things I told him is like, you better not go back. Find yourself another place. Because if he can say that on that topic, I don't trust him on any topic. Christ was not central. And we had a long conversation about all of what that meant. And we, we got into the scripture and where he was leading astray. This man had influence. 
and he had someone influential um, who was listening to him. But God had other plans for this man of influence. It says, but Saul, who was also Paul, this first time we are seeing his name, he didn't change his name at this time. Paul had been known by, this is his Greek name, he had been known by that. Remember, he grew up in this environment. And typically, if you were a Roman citizen, you probably had about three different versions of your name. You had about three names, which would mean you would have a Latin name, which would be Paulus. He had his Greek name, which was Paul. He had Saul, which was what was given him at birth in his Hebrew culture, and he used it when he was in Hebrew. But since he was going to the Gentiles, he used that name Paul. And here's what I like. Here you have a guy that was sent by the, that was, that was called by the Holy Spirit, sent by the Spirit, and still listening to the Spirit. Because in verse 9 it says, but, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So what Paul was about to do was Spirit-directed, looked intently at him and said, I love the play on words. He says, you son of the devil. Look, what did that guy call himself? Y'all don't say it. Son of Jesus. You call yourself bar Jesus. I don't know what, no, really, you are bar devil. <laughs> I'm looking at this guy. He said, you son of the devil. And he exposed him. You enemy of all righteousness, because here is what is at the heart of any false prophet and any false teacher. You son of the devil, so born out of evil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. And you will say, well, he was just false teaching. No, look at what, look, can we share the truth? When you come up against false teaching and those who want to lead you away from Christ, Look at how they should be described. You son of the devil, being against all that is righteous, full of deceit and villainy. You villain and you person of deceit. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And in essence, what Paul did is, by the Spirit's direction, this man allowed himself to see what he really was. He was blind. And that he was leading people. All I thought about with this is the blind leading the blind. He was blind himself and trying to lead people into darkness. Now, remember, the gospel is being proclaimed strongly. They're going through the island, and they come against a guy. So you have a false prophet that meets a true prophet of God. You have falsehood that meets truth, and truth wins. You say, well, does truth always win? For the people that God is bringing to himself, yes, it does. And he says, you're going to be blind for a time. And since you're in the leading people, you're going to be led around. And here's what I love that happens. In the face of the opposition, Paul didn't let the opposition get under him, get to his skin, take him off mission. It leaned him in. And what happened? This guy, the proconsul, comes to Christ. And why does he come to Christ? Here's what I want us to hear. Now, he saw what happened, but what does the Scripture say about him coming to Christ? It says, 
Verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Can I help you with this? The power helped him to recognize that the teaching was of God. If all he had was great power and mesmerizing people with his power and no message, what does he have? See, you and I, can we not be amazed at the power and demonstration of God, but we want people to be amazed at the teaching about the Lord. See, he heard the teaching from Paul. He heard it, and he was amazed. He was astonished at this level of authoritative teaching. But when he saw that power, and you made this man blind, and you told him what was going to happen, and it happened, oh, now I know you're from God. And so all the power did was affirm what the message declared. You and I, we have a powerful message. And the way in which it is backed up is by it being in demonstration in your own life. When people see the change in your life, how many of you have had people say, man, I knew you win and now you know Jesus, and they're like, wow, God must be real. If they could change you, if they could do that, if they could make this happen in your life, he must be powerful. The power just affirms the message. The miraculous, when you look at the book of Acts, usually affirms the message. And so we have a convert as one, and then they go on down, and this next one for us, not spending a whole lot of time on his message, Verse 13 says that they set sail with his companions. Now, do you notice a change? Verse 13 is a subtle change that happens. It says, now, Paul and his companions. But when you read before, it was Barnabas and Saul. And you always had Barnabas and Saul. And when they got there, Barnabas and Saul. Verse 13, Paul begins to take the lead. Now it is Paul and his companions. And he takes the lead, and he says that they set out, and they go to Persia. They go to Perga, and then they head to Antioch in another area, not back home. And as they get there, they go into the synagogue again, and he begins for the next few verses. I'm not reading that. Go home and read it on your own. He takes them through their history and its connection to Christ. God's plan all along, he is laying it out for them, and he ends with who Jesus is. He is using different Old Testament scriptures, and then he stops in verse 36. He says, for David, after he has served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. He makes the jump in the connection from David, their most honored king, to Jesus. And then uh, he lowers the punchline, and he says here, Verse 38, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, he's talking about Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. That's the whole point. 
He said the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus and was bringing about. He is, he is, he is proclaiming the Word of God, and he is centrally in the gospel. And the people were so excited. Verse 42, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Because that's when they gathered again. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And, and you see the response. Man, some of us think that if all we do is preach God's word, people won't take notice. People that are hungry for real life and the truth are going to listen to the truth being proclaimed. Oh, that's just a simple gospel message. Don't you, sort, don't you short sell Christ. They preached it. They begged them to come back and preach it again. And then what ends up happening? He lays it out clearly. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Do you get that? When the people of God, sent by God, who are living for God, preach the word of God, man, God can make happen what he chooses. You had nearly this whole city coming out to hear the word of the Lord. And I know they heard some about what had happened with the man. Look, look, we heard some of the power of God being displayed, but they weren't focusing on the power of God. They were focusing on the word of God. You and I will carry out this mission, and it will be unstoppable as you and I carry out the word of God, plain and simple. But what happened? Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. I, that, that, that gets me. You can tell when people do not want anything to do with Christ because when Christ is proclaimed and people are being drawn to him and people are being drawn away from those that are not interested in Christ, jealousy ensues. The Jews should have been excited. This was, look, he just laid out what God's plan was for the Jews and told them that it culminated in Jesus. And many of the people, they're Jews and Greeks that had converted to Judaism, that, 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 that they turned to they turn to Christ, multiple people, and what happens? They mad. They're upset. And then they start to undermine. I'll tell you, in your ministry and in your work, as you're talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, as you're dealing with folk, there will be some people that are mad that people are listening to Christ through you. There are some people that will be mad that they are turning away from Christ. I've had people that would be mad that their, that their relative, their loved one, has turned away from a crazy, messed-up life and start following God, and they get mad. Like, like why are you all in the church all of a sudden? Wait, wait, hold up. Did you forget that I walked away from the sin that had been, that had been plaguing my life for years? Yeah, but why are you all up in this Jesus thing? Is it hurting me? Hasn't it changed me? Hasn't it caused me to shift gears? There are some folk that are mad at you because you are leaning into Jesus too much. 
and they will be mad at others that you lead into Jesus because you, you just, it doesn't take all that. As we round and close this out, when we look at this missionary journey, he says to him, verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Wow. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord had commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. If you are given the word of God and you decide, I don't want it, it's not for me, please don't think that you're stopping anything. I love what Paul says, you just considered yourself unworthy of eternal life. I don't think anyone would want to consider themselves unworthy of eternal life. But he says, listen, you have just demonstrated that you are unworthy of eternal life. And guess what? You don't want him? Fine. I'm going to turn because this is what the Lord has ordained anyway. My heart just wanted you guys to hear it first. And what ends up happening? He goes to the Gentiles and they get excited. The people who should have accepted the Lord rejected him. And the people who had not heard are coming in droves. Those that were appointed. Another message, another time. And we see that ministry into the Gentiles begin. And the word of the Lord, verse 49, was spreading throughout the whole region. The opposition is right there. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standard and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. And many times we use this verse Hopefully we use it in context, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You keep seeing this tug and pull of opposition and this effects and, 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 and God by his spirit winning out. And, and, and here, and in spite of the opposition, they keep moving forward. Spirit at work, spirit at work, spirit at work. Y'all, we are going to have some times that when we move out and prayerfully according to the Lord's direction and will, everything won't go just fine. There will be some opposition. There will be some disappointment. There will be some persecution. There will be some heartache. But please read 52. Disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, one of the definitions that we heard about our marriage, and I'll say this even with your life, that, that, that I love, a definition that was given was this. It said that, you know, it had us repeat it. My marriage is not about, primarily is not about my happiness, but it is about me glorifying God and living in holiness. 
It's about glorifying God and living in holiness. Can I tell us today, we think we are in this thing, that we are in this Christian life for our happiness. Yes, we will be joyful all the time. That is the state of well-being regardless of what happens. But we may not be happy all the time. But the goal of us is to glorify God and to live holy regardless of how we feel. What Paul in his missionary journey shows us is this. God has some great success stories that he accomplishes through you and I waiting to happen. But he needs to have a people who understand it may come hard at times. It may come with some discouragement. It may even come with some disillusionment. If our eyes are in the wrong place, it will come with some desperation. But in the end, his disciples will be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. God is calling you and I, man, stay on task, stay on track. Know that success, is a, that success is ahead, but please know that that opposition is running right along with you. And don't be deterred by it. Be determined through it. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.